through three chapters now, and I just wanted to very briefly recap some of the themes that have come out of this letter. Um, James talks about maturity in our faith in Jesus Christ and what mature faith looks like. We talked in the first week of this series, I preached on how the role of troubles and trials are used by God to bring about mature faith. The week after that, the second half of chapter 1, James talks about how faith that is mature is evidenced in our actions, especially in the way that we can look out for the orphan and the widow and those who um, are kind of on the fringes. We see in chapter 2 how mature faith does not show prejudices in the differences between people, like the world shows prejudices among differences. Instead, mature faith demonstrates and shows love for neighbor as oneself and especially pays careful attention to the, the, difference, the differences in the world between rich and poor uh, theme in James's letter. Mature faith last week we saw is evidenced in the way we talk and the words that we use, especially in how we use our speech wisely to bring about peace And today we come to chapter 4, which again speaks a little bit about the words that we use and the way that we talk. And then there's a turn starting in verse 13 on the way we make plans in our lives and what impact faith has on that. We've asked our friend uh, Angela Perez to go ahead and read chapter 4 for us today. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along or if you want to stand for the reading of Scripture, um, we will now listen to our friend Angelo bring us the word of God. A reading from James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights amongst you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. You do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you are the but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, he, we will live and do this or that. 
As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Thank you, Angelo. May God bless the reading of God's Word. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, open up these, these words to us, these words from your scriptures. Help them to um, land on our hearts that we might hear your Holy Spirit speaking to us, sanctifying us, changing us for the good of your kingdom which Jesus brought. And I, I pray these things in his name. Amen. Uh, did any of you catch, by the way, when Ange, uh, Rock and Roll Revival, remember when Angelo sang? Did any of you see that? I remember that. Why is everyone I was picking on me? You did a nice job, Angelo. Okay. Uh, I came across a story recently. Perhaps you have heard this story before. There's a husband and a wife, and every morning they make coffee. Uh, and then they sit on their couch, they look out their window, and their window overlooks the backyard of their neighbor. And one day, some new neighbors move in. And one morning, the couple is sitting on their couch, sipping on their coffee, looking out the window, uh, when the neighbors start to um, hang up their laundry so it dries on the clothesline. And the couple, sitting there, sipping their coffee, comment to one another about how dirty the laundry is. Can't they see all the dirt and smudges on their laundry? Is, the, is their machine broken? Do they not know how to clean their clothes? This goes on for about a week. They wake up, they make coffee, they sit on the couch, they look out the window and comment to one another just how dirty their neighbor's laundry is. Until one day, as the wife sits down and looks out the window, she sees to her amazement clean laundry. Finally, she says, finally they have learned to clean their clothes. Actually, my dear, the husband says uh, sheepishly, this morning, before I made our coffee, I washed our window. James asks some very sobering questions in this chapter. Why do you fight so much? He asks. Why are you quick to quarrel and bicker? He asks. Who put you as judge over your brother? He asks. And then this one. Doesn't all this fighting come from your own selfishness? Ouch. Maybe my, maybe my neighbor's laundry isn't dirty. Maybe it's my window. Jesus said, okay, so your brother has a speck in his eye, uh, but you've got a two-by-four in your eye, and it's sort of making it hard for you to see. Jesus said, out of the overflow of a person's heart, that, that's where our words come from. That's where our speech comes from. That is to say, our words say more about us uh, than they do about anything else. And here in the first part of James chapter 4, James is still writing about the way we talk. At least that's what it seems to me. I'm, I'm with the scholars who make that argument. He began this subject in chapter 3 verse 1 
And he now carries this topic all the way through chapter 4, verse 11. If you have a Bible in front of you, you can kind of see that in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. He's still talking about the way we talk. And when words cause fights and quarrels and violence, James says, the root cause is evil desires, jealousy, and wrong motives. And then James asks another question. Do you not know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Friendship with the world. By this, James means the way that the world behaves concerning these matters. And if we behave the way the world behaves, we've become friends with the ways of the world. And how does this talk, how does this world we live in, uh, rather, talk about enemies? How does the world resolve conflict? When there is disagreement, what are the ways of the world? There is a lot of disagreement right now. There's disagreement on the news, disagreement on social media, disagreement in the streets. And it seems, uh, to me at least, that the worldly way to walk through, um, to walk through conflict right now seems to be uh, name-calling, raising of fists, boots, guns, bombs. This is the way of the world, right? But it is not the way of Jesus. Craig uh, we've got Craig Van Summeren in the back doing the video today. Are you able, Craig, to pan out a little bit? Um, I'm wearing shoes today. I'm not barefoot, so I think we're, we're set, though I think the table might give me cover. Can we all see the crosses now? This is the way of Jesus. Right here. Jesus said, I am the way. We can keep this up, Craig, for a little bit. Jesus said, I'm the way, he said. He said, I am the way. In other words, the way that Jesus lives is the way that we live for God. Love your enemy, Jesus said. Pray for them. Do good to them, he said. And then he said, take up your cross and follow me. And yes, I think it can be a good thing to, um, when God asks us to do difficult things, to talk about those things as a cross to bear. But we must never forget that when Jesus took up his cross, it was for the sake of his friends. Yes, even the sake of his enemies. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so when the question is posed, how do we treat uh, our enemy How do we treat those we um, disagree with? The world says make a fist. Jesus says take up a cross. Thank you, Craig. And so the remedy that James urges is humility and repentance. Humility is the opposite of arrogance. Arrogance says, my way first. My cause is so important. Uh, It justifies name-calling. It justifies being rude. 
But James calls us to humility and repentance. Look at verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come close to God. God will come close to you. Wash your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts. Because your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. Gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up in honor. Each of these actions that James uh, describes here have to do with coming close to God and repenting of ways of the world that are opposed to the ways of Jesus. How do we draw near to God? Prayer comes to mind. Spending time in prayer. Scripture comes to mind. Being with the people of God, and I, I know that the, the COVID, um, the pandemic makes this tougher to do now than before, but it's still important. Meditation. Retreat. Jesus would get away in the morning and he'd pray. Confession. Worship. Uh, it, may, it may mean turning off the television at night. It may mean putting the phone down. And to find retreat with Jesus in prayer. In verse 13, James uh, takes a bit of a turn here, and this is where the division markers in our Bibles um, seem a little arbitrary at times, because now he does seem to have a different topic in mind in some ways. In verse 13, look here, you who say tomorrow, uh, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there and we'll do business there and we'll make, you know, all kinds of money. (laughs) What's James' problem here? Is he against making plans? I don't think that's the point. It seems there are four things in verse 13 and that James kind of puts out there for us to consider. I'm going to go where I want to go. I'm going to stay there as long as I want to stay there. I'm going to do what I want to do so that I can get what I want. James is not against making plans or being wise or even doing business for that matter. What James is against is doing all of these things in our lives without ever asking the question, what might God want? (laughs) For me, what what might God want? What is God's will for me? How might the decisions I make in my life, even today, uh, the, the decisions I make for tomorrow, how will those things have impact on Jesus' kingdom here on earth? And what is God's leading in all of this? That's uh, the, the the rub uh, here for James. For many people, even at times for Christians, and if I'm honest, sometimes even in my own life, seeking God's direction is not really a part of the plan. Many people are led only by their own dreams, their own hopes, their own wants, their own desires. We hear it all the time. Follow your dreams. Live your truth, right? And there may be many reasons to be cautious about this way 
uh, of approaching life. But James points out one. Did you catch it? Why we shouldn't just uh, live our lives just for ourselves? James points out that our lives are incredibly short. Like a breath, a vapor, like steam that rises off of a boiling pot of water. There it is, and just as quickly it's gone to be followed by more steam that just as quickly evaporates into the air. Our lives are ever so brief. Uh, I remember I was at a workshop one time, and we were doing this exercise, and the speaker said, I want you to um, take uh, three minutes or whatever it was, and just sketch out in a few bullet points your five-year plan. So we took the time, we sketched out our five-year plan. And then we were asked to sketch out a 10-year plan. So we took the time and we sketched out a 10-year plan. Then a 50-year plan, <laughs> which seemed kind of ridiculous to me at the time. And it reminds me of something um, a 90-year-old man once said to an insurance salesman trying to sell him life insurance, son, the old man said, I do not buy green bananas. <laughs> At any rate, after we had sketched out our 50-year plan, the speaker asked us to do something even more crazy. We were to sketch out a 500-year plan for our lives. Of course, uh, no, none of us in the room expected to live 500 years. The point was made, right? Um, how will our lives live beyond or impact beyond our lives? How can we anchor ourselves into something beyond the 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, 90 years we may have on this planet? How do we make a difference beyond that, you know, short span of time? If we want our lives to have a 500-year impact or more, then we need to anchor our lives in the will of the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We need to dedicate ourselves to the wishes of the one who will be guiding people long past our lives, even into eternity. Um, I've, I've run across a number of memes lately. A meme is kind of like a, sort of like a poster, right, online. Think of like a cat poster, right? The cat's hanging on something, hanging their baby kind of thing. And these memes um, that talk about what we should use to guide the direction of our lives. Let me just share a few of them with you. One of them I ran across said, follow your dreams. They know the way. Okay. I don't even know what my dreams mean sometimes. If you aren't driven by your passion, what's the point? Was another one. Uh, this one um, made me chuckle. It said, if your dreams don't scare you, they are not big enough. <laughs> I call a scary dream a nightmare, but whatever. One of my favorite ones was this one. There's a woman, and she's just like confused, and she says, follow your dreams? I don't got time for that. 
Now, I don't have a meme-making app just yet. Okay, who knows? Uh, Beware when I do get one, right? They're going to be just crazy and silly and weird. But here are some possible memes that I like better when it comes to um, how we want to go about living our lives and what guides them and what directs them. Here's one. These are all a little bit long. Okay, do what gives you joy. But also, spend a fair amount of time on the things you don't want to do because God has given you responsibilities to other people. Here's another one. Sometimes life is going to be hard and it's going to stink. But look at you. You've been faithful to God and His grace has been sufficient to you. You're doing the best you've got with what God has given you. Keep up the good work. Sometimes the small moments of joy in the Lord are enough. You are not missing out so long as you promote justice, are faithful in love, and you walk humbly with God. And here's one that's way too long to be a meme. As you live out God's plan for your life, know that your life is anchored in the one who stands over all history and your life will be woven into the great tapestry of God's design and your 40, 60, or 90 years on earth, though a blip on the cosmic radar, will have eternal impact. Again, that one's a little long, but forgive me. How we talk as Jesus followers matters so much. And what is in our hearts, we, we need to keep those things in check by drawing near to God, remaining friends with God. And whatever we do, how does Paul put it? Uh, whatever we do, whatever we eat or drink, may it all be done to the glory of God the Father. This, this, is what it means to have mature faith. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the book of James, and I thank you for chapter 4. I pray, God, that the words in the scripture would be an anchor for us. That we would take the time that is required for us to uh, develop a relationship with you, Lord. Tell us when to turn off the television, to put down the phone, that we might get away and retreat with you. Among your people, among your creation, in your scriptures. And now, God, as we move to the table, the table of communion, a time when we remember what it is that Jesus has done for us, making us friends of God. Prepare us, Lord. And may we come into contact with your spirit in so doing. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.